0: Chapter 19 starting in verse eight. We're just going to get through eight, nine, and 10 today. Acts chapter 19, verses eight, nine and 10. Let's go ahead and read that, and then we'll open with a word of prayer. Acts 19 starting in verse eight. And he entered the synagogue, this would be Paul, entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you so much for the opportunity to gather uh, as your church As believers, to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to hear from your word, to pray, to sing, we're so grateful for this church, for the freedom that we have to meet without fear, to preach truth without fear. I pray that you would give us boldness, that we would take full advantage uh, of the opportunity and of the resource of, of your body freely able to meet pray that you'd be with us as we study through uh, this portion of Scripture, that you would give us clarity, that you would give us attention, that we would uh, learn what you have for us here and, and apply it to our lives in a bold and compelling way. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in Acts 19, we're, we're, we're on our way towards something, and it's not in our, not in our passage today, so I want to jump forward a couple of verses here. Because we're moving towards a point that Luke is drawing our attention towards. And it's in Acts chapter 19 verse 20. And there's a lot of other things that we're going to talk about as we're on our way there. And it's really important that we don't get distracted by those things and miss the point. Luke is drawing our attention towards Acts chapter 19 verse 20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. That's what we need to keep in our minds. That's what we need to keep our attention on. The point, the goal of these different narratives that we're going to come across as we're going towards verse 20, all of that is directing our attention towards the word of the Lord growing mightily and prevailing. We're, I mean, we're gonna, there's some wild stuff in, in these, these few narratives as we're on our way uh, towards that. Signs and wonders, miracles. There's some compelling arguments, even demons disciples, things that are easy for us to get distracted by and start to think that maybe that's the point, that that's something that we need to draw our attention around. But Luke is drawing our attention towards verse 20, that for all of the narratives we're orbiting around is that the word of the Lord wins. The word of the Lord wins. It's victorious. And that's that's the overarching objective, So keep that in your mind, really over the last couple weeks, over the next two weeks, the word of the Lord prevails, and it grows, and it's mighty. But for for today, the the objective, the point, the goal of this smaller narrative, the smaller section in this larger narrative is verse is verse 10 of chapter 19. Really the the last part of of verse 10. All who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. All who live in Asia heard the word of the Lord, Jews and Greeks. And it's a really interesting point actually. Because I wonder how much value do you place when you think of your time and the things that you do and the objectives that you set for your life. How much importance and value do you place on hearing the word of the Lord? Uh, a lot of the narrative, and we'll see this, I'm going to hit on this point quite a bit. Um, a lot of the, the point in the drive is on salvation. It's on repentance and faith and trusting the Lord and these converts being brought to faith. But Luke wants to draw our attention around something uh, a little bit more core to what we're supposed to do. It's easy for us to maybe get a little bit in a weird, odd kind of way to get way too focused just on salvation and we forget what we're supposed to do which is to share the gospel. To make sure that people hear it. That unbelievers hear the gospel. And So that's what Luke wants to draw our attention towards in this, in this narrative is that unbelievers need to hear the gospel and this is what Paul is doing. We don't actually hear much, really anything about people being saved or coming to saving faith. It's really, the, the whole focus is around Paul presenting the gospel in such a way that unbelievers hear it. And we need to remember that because we can't save people. Salvation's not for us to hand out to people. We don't make that choice. But what we are to be about is presenting the gospel, of using our mouths to fill the sound to get the sound waves out there, molecules bumping around with the the reverberation, the sound of the truth of the gospel, that people would hear it, that the air would be filled with the truth of the gospel so that unbelievers hear it. That's what we're supposed to do. Now, from that, absolutely, that's how people get saved. That's how people come to salvation is by hearing the gospel. They won't hear it. They won't be saved if you're not presenting it and so as you, as a believer, someone who has placed their faith and trust in Christ, and you're kind of considering, what am I supposed to do with my life? How am I to orient myself and the decisions I make and the objectives I have for my life? What am I supposed to do? What would God have me do? He would have you do this, that for all the other things you busy your hands and mind with, that it would be oriented around this large goal this large objective of am I filling the air with the gospel? are people able to hear it? Am I filling the air with the gospel as a believer so that the brains of unbelievers hear it? And so in this in this passage here in, in Acts 19 8 9 and 10 there's really three things that I want to draw out from this passage that, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting passage, and there's three things, three kind of like contrasts in Paul's strategy for filling the air with the gospel, for filling the air with the word of the Lord. So let's dive in to these, these three different things, kind of like this strategic playbook for achieving this objective of preaching the gospel, of sharing the gospel, of making sure that unbelievers are hearing it. Step one, the first thing that we see is the place. There's two places that are mentioned, locations in this section. One is the synagogue, and the other is the school of Tyrannus. But the synagogue came first. And why? Well, because Paul always starts. Like, wherever he goes, if there's a synagogue there, he's going to start there. That's not an answer, though. That's a question that begs another question. Why? Why? Why start with the synagogue The synagogue is the place of worship for Jews, for ethnic Israel. And Paul never loses his priority, his his orientation around the priority of the Jews. It is certainly true. I mean, we've seen it again and again, and it's amazing as we've progressed our way through Acts, how the gospel is now being presented to Gentiles. But that never does away with the priority and the the coming first of the Jews, that the gospel, the good news of salvation came from the Jews. That's where Paul always starts. And it's it's not without reason. It's not like there's a point that Paul does this, and it's to ensure that we never lose sight of the priority that God places and continues to place on ethnic Israel. Not because they are worthy of it, not because there's something good in who they are, but because that was God's choice. And when God chooses something, he never unchooses it. He never goes back on that choice. If God prioritizes something, if God chooses something, he keeps that choice. If he makes a promise, he keeps that promise. And that's important. It's important for us. It's easy as non-Jews, as people who want to ensure that the field is is level, that God doesn't place or prefer anyone, that we remember actually when God makes a choice, that choice always stands. And it's not because they're actually individually any better. In fact, they're in a really tough spot because they've rejected God. They were the ones who crucified Christ. But when God makes a choice, he never unchooses it. And that's really important for us to remember, that when God chooses you, he never unchooses you. You don't get yourself unsaved. If God has chosen to place his love on you, if he's chosen to redeem you, chosen to forgive you, that never goes away. What God chooses, he keeps. And so Paul as a Jew understanding this dispensational kind of progressive history of salvation where it starts with the Jews it goes to the Gentiles God has a plan and he has a timetable and we're in a certain part of it Paul wants to ensure that that's in the mind of his of his listeners that there's this trajectory there's this priority there's this timeline and that where they are right now yes it's the time of the Gentiles Gentiles can get saved and it's incredible that God would choose to save people who are outside of his chosen people, Israel. But he has made that choice. But Paul starts in the synagogue. But then he moves. He moves to another place. He's there for three months. but then he, And then he moves to the school of Tyrannus. And we never hear anything else about this. I really wish, I kind of hope that maybe the guy who owned it was named Rex because I would to have been Tyrannosaurus Rex but it doesn't give us that. Um, It would have been awesome if it had. But regardless, there's this school, probably owned or or held, I don't know if this guy was a teacher uh, or or what it was, but it seems, at the very least, this was a a really good place to present the gospel, because Paul's here for a really long time, two years. And he takes the disciples, we'll get to kind of the audiences in a moment, but he takes the disciples, takes people away, and he, he teaches in the school of of Tyrannosaurus Rex, for two years, for a long long time, way longer than three months. And it was productive. Obviously, it was productive. Remember where we're going? Every person in Asia heard the gospel. Now, Asia in that time is like Asia minor. It's Turkey. It's not like when we think of Asia, we're like, whoa, that's a lot of people. It was still a ton of people, um, but it was was probably Turkey. Um, Hopefully, you know geography and you know that's a country and not the animal you eat on Thanksgiving. But it's still like it's a lar- large country, lots of people. It's ridiculous, it's outrageous that you could teach in a school and be able to say at the end of it, two years, everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord. And so that's that's step one for, for Paul is, is the place, the location. He he wants to share the gospel, he wants it to be effective. But he also wants to ensure that this timeline, this understanding of where the gospel comes from, the, the priority of God's choice, that you don't deserve this, you don't earn this, that it's not just for everyone, it's for whomever God chooses, that that's maintained. But once it's maintained, as it's maintained, let's go find a place where we can actually share the gospel with loads and loads and loads and loads of people. We need to, we need to find places like that. We need to be grateful for places like that. Like, spend a little bit of time either either thinking about, researching a little bit. Do you understand how rare it is to be able to have a place where I can just get up and, and say things that a lot of the world doesn't believe? It's actually kind of rare to have a place where I can, I can share the gospel without fear. This is pretty incredible, and it's you're not going to find this in many, 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 many places all over the world, so when you find a place, when you have an opportunity to share the gospel, my goodness, take advantage of that and, and do it because it is it is quite rare. And so when Paul finds it, he doesn't let it go. He doesn't let it go for two years. So step one in Paul's playbook of making sure the air is filled with the gospel is find a good place. Next is the audience, the the. the people that are hearing that gospel. First, of course, I mean, these things are tied together. First, we we find Paul in the synagogue, which is primarily Jews, maybe some proselytes, which would be Gentiles who had converted um, to Judaism. Really, these old, Old Testament folks, these people that are looking forward to a Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, they're still looking forward. They're still in the Old Testament, Old Testament covenants and promises. They're looking forward to something that Paul is now standing up and saying, you don't need to look forward, you actually need to look back. His name is Jesus. He died for your sins. He's, prevent, he's, he's uh, presenting this way of salvation. His wrath is actually on you. That's really bad because you can't do anything to remove it. You need to repent of your sins. You need to trust in Christ. All of these things that Paul's been doing again and again and again all over the place, he's going into the synagogue and, and preaching that. Uh, and it, but it doesn't take long for that to not go too well for him. What happens? Go back up to um, verse 9 of 19. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people... He withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. So, what happens as he's preaching? It doesn't take that long. Three months is not terribly short time, but it's also not very long. It's definitely not two years for this, this message that um, Paul is so consistent in presenting the good news of the gospel, salvation in Christ. For people to become hardened to that, for his audience in the synagogue to become hardened, to become disobedient, to speak against what Paul is presenting, and it's it's interesting. I think um, like this. This is not at all different. This is kind of what we see even in our own world. Pe- people are not indifferent to the to the gospel. They're not like ah oh, whatever. You you can believe that. It's whatever. I don't care. There's, there's a speaking out against it. There's violence that comes against it. And this is something that we should expect, that, that hardness to the word of God, it doesn't breed indifference. It breeds hostility. And we shouldn't be discouraged or surprised. that the, the life, the activity of the unbeliever is to be against the gospel, to be against it publicly, violently, to to produce a visible disobedience to it. They're not just indifferent. The world around you that does not believe the gospel will press against it. And so what should our response be? How are we to respond to a world that behaves this way towards the gospel? Well, how did Paul respond? It wasn't anger. It wasn't retaliation. But it also wasn't just simply resistance, he moved. He, he stopped going to the synagogue day after day and he moved to a different place, a place that would be more open and receptive to the gospel. His, his priority was to ensure that people would hear the gospel and if there were sufficient barriers to that that could be alleviated simply by walking to a different place in the morning to share the gospel, He did that. And I think we we need to remember this. I think sometimes we get discouraged and maybe we stop sharing the gospel so much. Or maybe we just keep hitting the same people over and over and over again. We get into these vicious arguments that are unfruitful and unhelpful and unnecessary because there are other people in other places and we simply need to just go to a different place to share the gospel. And I'm not simply talking about just evangelism, that you need to stop going to this university and go to another one. That may absolutely be what you need to do. I mean, it could be all kinds of things where you're spending your time, like the jobs that you have. You need to be thinking about your job. Your job is an incredible place to share the gospel. The friend groups that you have that have unbelievers in them you're not just in the world to exist. You're not just in the world to have a good time. And you say, well, I've tried to share the gospel, they didn't accept it, but I'm, I'm not gonna change anything. I'm just gonna stop sharing the gospel because they've heard it. You can't, you can't do that. You need to keep filling the air with the good news of the gospel. And you need to do it in places where there are people who will hear it. So you might need to find new friends, you might need to find new jobs because you have got to share the gospel. That's what you're supposed to do. It's your objective. It's your goal. And if you're finding yourself in a place where you're not doing that or where you do it, it's unproductive, you need to make a change. And that can be in many different places. But if you are and you must make a priority of sharing the gospel, you need to keep that in front of your mind. How can I do that better? How, what can I change? What can I shift? What can I adjust so that my presentation would be heard by more people, and primarily would be heard by people who will listen, who are not hardened, who are not resisting, who are not speaking out against it. For Paul, that was moving to the school of Tyrannus. It was a better, a better long-term place for the gospel to be heard. But you'll also notice that he takes the disciples. He takes those people who had believed. This may have been from the previous passage, those whom he had baptized and he was trying to like teach them in the synagogue. Could be that there were a few in the synagogue who were agreeing with what he was hearing, but now they're getting confused by these people that are speaking out against uh, uh, the words that he's saying in the synagogue and he wants to protect them. Regardless, he he takes those disciples and he pulls them into the school of of Tyrannus so that he can he can continue to share the gospel and train up the disciples. He's not, he's not only doing evangelism. He's also doing discipleship. He's prioritizing the people who have believed, who are listening, who are growing. And this is critically important. That we don't, we don't share the gospel and then we get to a point where somebody's like prayed a prayer and then we, fantastic, super, I'm not going to talk, don't need to worry about you anymore. Like you've got the green check mark for eternity and now I'm going to go move on to other people. It's so important that we work with people, we work with believers to grow them up, to continue to strengthen their faith, to encourage them, to challenge them so that they would mature, that they would grow. They would also share the gospel, right? It's not just that they believe something wrong and now we need to train them so that they believe the truth and congratulations, now you're done, go live your life. It's it's pressing them on on and on and on and higher and higher and higher so that their knowledge moves into their hands. It moves into their voice boxes so that they're actually accomplishing what they're supposed to for the kingdom of God. They're sharing the gospel. They go all the way to living a life of productivity for Christ, right? Sometimes we kind of stop short. If You just need to know the right things. I don't, I don't know enough. I might not, my, my friends, they just don't get it. They don't don't understand. That, That may be true, and you need to help them with that, but that's not the point. That's not the objective. The objective is that the word of the Lord would be heard. Heard by you sharing it, and heard by the people that you know, that you're sharing it with, that it would continue to propagate, continue to grow. That there would be more people sharing the gospel because you've shared the gospel. That it doesn't just stop when somebody knows something, They need to share it. You need to share it. And you need to encourage and challenge your friends who are believers to share the gospel. Don't just argue about theology. Move it all the time. Move it all the way to how are you going to practically put this into practice in your words? How are you going to share this? How are you going to evangelize? How are you going to talk to the people at your work? How are you going to talk to your friends who are unbelievers how are you going to talk to your family members who are unbelievers? How are you going to share the gospel? What's your intention? What's your plan? Did you do it? Because this is, this is our goal. This is our objective. This is the point. This is the purpose. This is why we keep sucking air and eating food and not dying so that we can share the gospel until the day that we do die. So that's the audience. Paul is looking for people who will hear the gospel and hear it well. People that he can disciple and grow up to also share the gospel. The next thing, the last thing that strikes me in this kind of playbook that Paul has for ensuring that he continues to share the gospel effectively is is the time. His priority on, on time He was in the synagogue for three months, and then he moves to the school of Tyrannus for two years. And it says daily he was in the school of Tyrannus for two years. So this is this is not a, a few sermons or a weekend seminar, a revival lightning tour. This was day after day after day, making a compelling proclamation. Of the word of God for for two years. It sounds exhausting. It kind of sounds discouraging. Like it really took two years. Paul doesn't spend two years everywhere. But he spent two years here. I think he found something here. Something worth sticking with. It was the opportunity that the school of Tyrannus presented to him. To share the gospel unhindered. Most of the time when Paul doesn't spend two years in some place. It's because he gets beaten up and put into prison. So that wasn't happening. Whatever was here, whatever opportunity was here, he took advantage of it. And it wasn't just every Sunday morning, it was every day he's, he's sharing the gospel. He's sharing the word of the Lord. I mean, that's, I mean, it's pretty incredible. That's a, that's a pretty long time. That's a lot of lessons, both evangelistically and then, of course, through discipleship. And so what was the result? What was the end here of this two years of day after day after day, proclaiming the word of the Lord, the result was the point, the objective, what Paul was aiming for this whole time. The point at which he kind of says, I don't have anything else to say because what I'm about to say, that was the whole goal. That was the point of the things that I was doing. I was moving here and once I was there, fantastic. That was the objective. All, what is that, all who lived in Asia Heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. That was the point. As Paul was planning things out in in his mind, kind of day by day, right? He's in the synagogue first. He's like, ah, this isn't isn't great. Like, there's some people who are speaking out against the gospel, and uh, we're encountering resistance. Do I fight? Do I yell at them? Ah, What what can I do? And so he's looking around the, the, the town, the city there, and he finds this school. How, well, I, what I'll do is I'll move there. and I'll, I'll keep making changes and plans. All for what purpose? What's his goal? What's he trying to accomplish? All who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. When that happens, then Paul breathes a sigh of relief. Then he says, fantastic. Mission accomplished. Job well done. He's trying to get the gospel out into the airwaves where lots of ears can hear it. And and as I mentioned before, it's an insane statement that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. This is a lot of people. Through Paul's evangelism, the gospel spread. Converts carried the gospel, unsaved people came, and saved people went. Paul's voice was amplified through the voices of the disciples that he was so carefully training. This was not just that everyone in Asia heard Paul. This was everyone in Asia heard the gospel. Everyone in Asia heard the word of the Lord. And this came from Paul, but it also went through the disciples. It was distributed. It wasn't just one person. It wasn't just Paul. It was Paul and his disciples as he trained people. And then they went out and then they shared the gospel. He put this priority of evangelism into the hearts and minds of all of his disciples. This isn't just what Paul does, it's what Paul and his disciples and their disciples and their disciples do. Everyone who is a believer shares the gospel. Some do it better than others, but it's because some people practice more than others. You need to practice this. Get good at it. Work at it. Keep trying. Find other places. Wherever your synagogue is, maybe you need to find your school of Tyrannus. And some days may be more difficult. You didn't spend two weeks in the synagogue. You spent three months. So you got to think about this. But you're not prioritizing comfort. You're not prioritizing popularity. You're really thinking in your mind, how many people are actually affected by the gospel presentation that I'm making? And could it, could it perhaps be more and more effective if I were to do something else? How can I change this? This is your strategy. You're thinking through these things. You guys are smart you think about these things. You think about what school to go to. You think about what career you're going to have. You think about what relationships you want to pursue. You're strategizing all of the time. Take some of that energy. Take the best of that energy and apply it towards this type of strategy. Intend to share the gospel. Think about it. This is what God has given you a smart brain for. It's what he's given you a voice box for. So you can do this and you can do it well and you can look back 10 years later and see how you've improved in it, how you've gotten better, how you're prioritizing it more so that at the end when you die and you don't get to take any of your money with you, you don't get to take your relationships with you, you don't get to take all of your fame with you, you get to take people who are disciples, people who are worshiping the Lord because you kept your mouth open, you kept sharing the gospel. That will be incredible. That will be amazing. That will carry rewards for eternity. You need to be thinking about that now. You need to be planning for that now. And as I mentioned before, and I think it's really, it is drawn out in this passage because so much of Acts is about people getting saved. This is primarily about people hearing the gospel, not not necessarily responding to it. God's word will produce response in people. But for you, that's, that's what the Lord does for you. You need to keep the air filled with the gospel, the air around you. People need to be able to hear the gospel coming from your mouth, irrespective of the individual responses that it produces. Again, you're gonna think how how can I go? Where can I go? Where more ears will hear me, where the ears that hear me will respond. You need to be thinking about that, but it's not primarily the response. Because what's going to happen is you're going to say, nobody here cares. I've tried, and it doesn't work, and so I'm, I'm just not going to share the gospel. I tried. I shared the gospel. They didn't listen, so now I'm just going to carry on with my job. I'm going to carry on with my life. I'm going to carry on with my friends like I tried. That's, that's, not, that's not the point of the passage. Paul doesn't try. They don't listen, and he keeps hanging out in the synagogue. He tries. They resist, and so He moves. He goes somewhere else because what he has to do and what you and I must continue to do is share the gospel. That's what we need to keep doing. It's really easy to try it once, get discouraged, and stop and think that that's okay. Friends, it's not not okay. We've got to keep sharing the gospel. Because the fruit is worth it. Through Paul's persistence, through his discipline, through his strategy... All of Asia heard the word of the Lord. I'm going to talk briefly about just a a personal uh, example of my own life. And this is really recently something that I'm I'm even still working through this in my own mind uh, at work. Because I've been thinking a lot about these types of things uh, in my workplace. And what am I supposed to do when I'm, uh, I'm at work? I also, I work remotely, and that means that I work at my home, and I don't really interact with my coworkers much. There are definitely occasions where we'll go on like work trips and stuff and have the opportunity to share the gospel there, um, but it's a, it's a very professional work environment. So any uh, meetings that we have, they're very on task. Emails and messages, like the interactions that I have with my colleagues on the, on a regular basis are strictly work. It's a very professional work environment. It's also very liberal and very diverse. People have lots of different views. And so uh, our management has made it very clear that we need to stay on task. We need to not get into like our personal views. We need to ensure that we're staying on task. And so I don't, I don't have natural opportunities to share the gospel very much. And again, I try to take as many work trips as is reasonable because that's where I have opportunity either outside of normal working hours or um, just conversation. It's so much easier to bring in your own personal views when the audience is small, when it's just people talking to each other, when you can, I don't know, see facial expressions and know when it's time to like, okay, we need to think about this a little differently. Um, but there was, a, there was an opportunity really recently that I had where uh, my work was producing some marketing material that was really offensive. Um, it was inappropriate. Uh, not, I mean, it was, it was some unbelievers, actually, who brought it to my attention. Like, this is, is this really the message you want to be getting across? So I had an opportunity to present that to um, management at our work and say, there's some people in, in uh, our, our ecosystem, in our uh, kind of larger circles that don't, don't approve of this, and so the, the, the question for me in my mind was, do I take this opportunity to go, to go like a little bit beyond just sharing like a, the business risk here and take the chance to also maybe begin to hint at a little bit of my own, yeah, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna cross a line here and talk a little bit about some of my personal views and share like why I think this material is, is wrong. And it was, it's like, It would be easy to to not do that, and it would be really safe not to do that. But why, again, the the question in my mind is why am I here? Like, what am I supposed to be doing at work? I am to be diligent. I am to provide for my family. I need to earn money so that we can have food to eat. But that's not why I'm a Christian. That's why I work, but I'm a Christian to share the gospel. I'm I'm a Christian to bear influence in my workplace with the people that I'm around for the gospel. And I have to be very strategic about how I do that. But way too often in my strategy around it, the gospel ends up not getting presented. And that's, that's a strategy of self-preservation of like, oh, maybe there'll be an opportunity later. And you have to be careful. You do need to think through these things. You don't want to... Paul was not rash. He was not foolish. But he never kept his mouth shut. And so I did. I took the opportunity to share a bit extra, to ensure that I included things that would allude to, that would point people, point management to my views as a Christian. Yes, it was my personal view as a Christian, but my personal view is informed by the Word of God. Uh, And it didn't go well. By God's grace, I was not fired, um, but it didn't go well. And even in my own mind, as I've thought through kind of the trouble that I caused and got into um, by presenting a personal view in a professional work environment, I've had to like think through, did I, did I do this wrongly? Should I have backed off a little bit? Did, did I injure my opportunities to share the gospel in the future? I don't think I did. I think it was right. Like, If I'm supposed to share the gospel and I'm convinced that I am in my workplace, I need to be willing to risk that job. That if, if the Lord is wanting to move me somewhere else or give me opportunities in other places, I really want to hold on to this job. It pays really well. It's a ton of fun, people that I respect. I don't want to lose the job, but I need to be willing to if, if, it, if keeping it would require that I keep my mouth shut. God can provide for me, so I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in Him in that. I also don't know that I presented things perfectly. Could I have used different words? Probably. I'm not, I'm not, I haven't done this a whole lot. So I need to practice, I need to get better, I need to improve at how I share the gospel in a professional work environment. I don't think I would put up the email that I sent as the poster for how you should do this. We all need to think about how we do this and get better at it. But we're supposed to be Christians, we're supposed to be sharing the gospel, we need to be strategic, we need to think through this, we need to not value our own comfort, our own safety, our own reputation, more than we value the point of being a Christian who's not in heaven yet. And I'm, I'm trying to work through that myself, trying to think through more carefully, how do I do this? How do I do this right? Is it time for me to move somewhere? If, if it's impossible for me to share the gospel without getting fired, then I need to get fired and move somewhere else, because I need to be in a place, I need to be strategic, but I've got to share the gospel. I can never stop doing that in the places where God has me. And it's different, right? It is, I'm gonna share the gospel differently in my work environment than I'm gonna share the gospel at church. It's going to look different, there's nothing wrong with that. But like Paul, you need to be strategic, you need to think it through. How how can I do this best? How can I do this well? How how can I do this effectively? The goal is not offense, the goal is that they would hear, that they would listen. And so you're trying to craft opportunities, craft environments, where that would happen, where they would be able to hear. So I would encourage you with that. I would challenge you with that as I've been challenged myself to think through these things more carefully, to be intentional, to be strategic, to ensure that the air around us is filled with the word of the Lord. So in summary, I would challenge you to determine, to put in the time, to prioritize as your primary purpose, day after day, To proclaim the word of the Lord to unbelievers, and also to disciple the believers around you towards this end, because the world needs to hear the word of the Lord. And you are one of the voices that God has redeemed to share that gospel. God saves people through words that you say, through the gospel that you present. And so you need to be about prioritizing that in your life, planning for that in your life, as do I. Let's pray. Dear Father, I pray for these, my friends, for myself, that you would give us wisdom and discernment, that we would not be cowards in sharing the gospel, but that we would not be fools, that we would be wise, that we would be effective, that you would preserve us in our jobs, in our friendships, that you would provide opportunities for us to continue to share the gospel, that we would not strategize ourselves into silence, but that you would provide for us, even as we are dangerously courageous towards this end, that we would not be offensive unnecessarily so, but that we would present the pure truth of the gospel, the gospel that saves people, the truth about who you are, the rules that you have made, The salvation that you provide, the salvation that we all need so desperately, pray that you would give that to us, that we would be convinced in that, that we would, through practice, get better at it, that you would be pleased, that you would be honored, that your spirit would be at work in us as we move towards these objectives for your glory, because we are convinced that it is what we are to be about. Pray that you would do that in us through your power, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.